Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? Today we are super, super excited. I know I am to meet Paul O'Brien, the one and only. <laughs> Paul, show that's, today. That's how we're gonna start. <laughs> Thank that's you, how we're gonna start. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> um, let me tell you a little bit about Paul. As a longtime Silicon Valley technology and startup veteran, Paul has been Austin for over a decade now, and is heavily involved in the booming startup ecosystem right here in Austin, Texas. Wow, he has been working in a crossroad of economic development and venture capital. Today, Paul is a founder and CEO of Media Tech Venture, a venture development company in media. Today, he worked to bring Founder Institute and Mass Challenge in Texas. He also served on the board of a number of startup incubator and accelerator, and is also managing director of venture capital programming in Funded House. With that, everybody, please join me to welcome Paul to the show. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you very much. It is wonderful <laughs> to see you. Thank you for having me here. Of course, thank you, Paul. Wow, we are so honored and super excited. So, so tell us, Paul, how does all the magic begin? Like you have a long-listing wow journey. I, it, how does the magic begin? There is there is a bit of magic. I think there's there's a bit of magic in 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 what someone like me does, and 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 the magic actually stems from or comes from struggles. Mm, and, and, and and in struggles, in struggles, getting really passionate and fixated with the fact that it shouldn't be that difficult, and, mm. and that we can make it easier for people. What was the struggle you mentioned specifically? I, I, I've just been through a series of, you know, everybody's been through struggles. My, my series of struggles, I suppose, just kind of painted a picture about life and, and entrepreneurship and economic development. I, I grew up in Michigan when the economy mm. was kind of rough. Mm. And then, as you all heard, I, I ended up in Silicon Valley for a while when it was literally kind of the opposite of that. Mm. Uh, well, while you there, when that time was not quote unquote sexy or fancy, no, it was it was the sexy time to be there. I, I got recruited to Yahoo in 1999. Wow! Back 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 when uh, what would be the equivalent of Yahoo today? Google, maybe Tesla, maybe. It's a good question though. Think about it. Listeners, call in, text in, <laughs> whatever the equivalent of, you know, that, uh, see, I say Google, maybe it, it, think of like Google in the 2010s, yes, right? Yes, if yes. Google called, you took the job, you went, right? Yep. And, and so back in the early O's, yeah. when Yahoo called, you took the job. Uh, it, it was the internet. And so that that pulled me up to Silicon Valley and, and I had yeah. a wonderful time and a wonderful experience there. But then when I was 34, I had cancer. Uh, and so here I am in the most expensive place in the world, flush with with capital and also innovation and entrepreneurship and everybody working overtime. And, uh, <laughs> and kids kids came along and cancer came along and then the mortgage crisis came along. And, and, yeah. and the, you know, it's a combination of things that gave me this this worldview that that there is an economy that we can develop to mm -hmm. help entrepreneurs. Mm. And, and that's what stirred me to do that. That it shouldn't be so hard, whether mm. we're sick or, or we're disadvantaged or we're economically uh, struggling, it shouldn't be this difficult to to make it in this world and to thrive. How do you 
recover from that moment of challenges? I don't know that you do recover. I, I, I actually think you become a better person. Mm. Um, well, see, I say better talking about myself. So I hope it's true. <laughs> I, I don't think you really recover. You know, I, I, when, when you're in your 30s and you're experiencing something like that, mm-hmm. cancer, it, it just changes your entire outlook on life, right? Different priorities suddenly become more important. How so? Uh, you've, you've faced death. You 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 realize you might not make it to 110 or or whatever the, the mm-hmm. ideal is these days, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and so suddenly, uh, in in my case, suddenly uh, financial motivations as an entrepreneur took a backseat to mm-hmm. uh, more more ethical or moral motivations that that I felt like I kind of had a responsibility to do something to to improve the world. And, and if, if not the world, at the very least, to send a better message to my own kids uh, about, oh. about how to make a difference in the world. Wow. And are you well today, Paul? I am. Yeah. No, I, it's, cancer's, a, cancer's an awful and interesting thing because, you know, there's certain forms of it that are just horrific and, and gratefully, thankfully, to the healthcare industry are, are slowly uh, uh, getting treated and, and, and getting dealt with. Mm-hmm. And then there are other forms of cancer where, it, which is kind of what I had, there are other forms of cancer where the survival rate's pretty high, but at the same time, the medical community isn't doing much about it because they, they know they could just kind of remove it and you'll be fine. And so so I was told over the phone, there's a, there's a funny commercial on the air right now about somebody having cancer and you could, and you could see the guy being told he has cancer, which is just doctors, by the way, is a terrible way to tell people they have cancer. So I got a phone call that literally just kind of said, so I'm sorry to tell you, Paul, but you have cancer. <laughs> think, of, think of your reaction in your brain when you just go what uh, what <laughs> you remember that moment i have what oh gosh yes St- standing in our our small town home in los gatos california um it, it's the only moment right it's it's one of those moments in life that you will remember forever that crystallizes everything in a different light mm-hmm. and and that and that's why you don't you don't fully recover right even though i had a form that was not likely to to end mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. and and could be could be uh remedied mm-hmm. uh at the same time it's it's in your head forever mm. it's right? an emotional impact yeah it's a mental impact mm. that uh that 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 like i said or or, or i like to think and I, I like to talk about or, or help people work through mm-hmm. those hardships taken in the right light mm-hmm. uh and the right mindset actually present new opportunities right they change our they mm-hmm. change our worldview and hopefully for the better so how does that event changing the course of your later journey at the time you were in california in one of the hottest company you know working overtime all the fun things how the journey took from there well so i wasn't at i wasn't there were two different Incidents. I went from Yahoo to Hewlett Packard, mm-hmm. uh, and and learned very quickly that the corporate world wasn't suited to somebody like me, <laughs> and and so I I followed the advice of some angel investors and got involved in the startup ecosystem as mm. uh, as as what's considered a fractional CMO, mm. and and I'd launch a few startups at a time, and I was pretty good at that, mm-hmm. and then I had cancer, uh, oh. and and so. You, you know that it's that combination of things experiencing what Michigan was like back back when the economy was a little rough up there and then experiencing the opposite of that both mm-hmm. at, at some big companies and then at at the startup stage mm-hmm. and and then having something again kind of dre- detrimental happen that makes a person look at that and go all right there there are a lot more people in the world than the people here in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and there's certainly a lot of people who are struggling 
economically like like I grew up in Michigan or mm-hmm. or with health uh, as I had just experienced, there has to be a better way to make this available to everybody everywhere. Mm-hmm. Make make these opportunities and venture capital and and you know, good mentorship available to everybody in the world. And that that took us to Denver. Mm. Not literally took us to Denver, but if you think of 12 years ago, the hottest place in the world for startups outside of Silicon Valley was probably Denver. And and wow. so when we looked to move, of course, everybody was like, you got to go to Denver. And I just thought, no, it's too cold. I don't want to go to Denver. Then you went? So we, so we, we actually, we didn't. We, oh. <laughs> we, we didn't go to Denver. Think of, think of 12 years ago. Tech, Techstars is from Denver, right, everybody? Techstars tech and uh, Galvanize. There's some great startup industry brands that, that have come out of Denver. And well before this Texas boom that we now find ourselves in, or the Midwest boom even, that we now find ourselves uh, growing into as Chicago and Detroit and some other, other cities really start to thrive. Mm-hmm. Back then, uh, it was Denver, that, that if you were going to leave Northern California to do something in the startup ecosystem, you know, New York made sense, I suppose, or Denver. And uh, because I grew up in Michigan, no, I, I certainly was not going to go there. <laughs> so, so we looked at... You know, everybody, is, it's kind of a neat exercise to to work through as you think about where you want to be in the world. We we literally looked at a map of of the country that was was on our wall, my wife and I. Mm. And we drew a line kind of halfway north and south in, in, of the United States and said, all right, we're not moving anywhere north of this line. <laughs> it's just too cold. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and back then, that was a bit of a challenge because that, that gave you L.A. or San Diego. It gave you Phoenix. It gave you, you know, Santa Fe. Dallas, Houston, Austin really wasn't as as prominent mm-hmm. as it is today. So it really wasn't something we'd considered foremost. Actually, Dallas was was a little bit more considered. Um, now Miami or Nashville are, are are popular, but but then again, twelve years ago weren't weren't necessarily a, a destination for startup ecosystems. And so we were a little stuck, and and we visited half a dozen cities and felt lost, to be honest, and uh, ended up. Uh, on a wing and a prayer, came down to Austin for a weekend uh, as kind of a latch-ditch effort because I'd been to South by Southwest a, a dozen times and, and you know, loved the music and, and the convergence of the film industry with the technology industry that happens at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And I discovered the hill country and the lakes mm-hmm. uh, out, out west, which is kind of how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And we just fell in love with the city of Austin. And uh, wow. we moved about four weeks later and just... Through caution of the wind, and said, "We'll figure it out when we get there." Wow, such an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, I, you know, or something. <laughs> you know, something's really neat happening in the world today. That that I just wrote about, that I referred to as the Great Migration. And what I think is neat that's happening in the world today is that we're all shifting. We're all. We've called it. We've sort of referred to it as the Great Resignation. Mm-hmm. You know, all these people quitting under the circumstances of, of terrible employers or, or having to be in the office. But but at the same time, we've we've discovered we can work remotely. We've discovered we can work anywhere in the world. We've mm-hmm. discovered that thanks to quarantine, we've discovered we can work at home. Mm-hmm. Right? Blessings in disguise. Yeah. Uh, out, of, out of cancer comes opportunity. Mm-hmm. That out of bad things, I, 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 I'm really excited about the fact that I think what we're seeing in the world today is is – what some of us have called this great migration, where mm-hmm. we're all moving somewhere else, uh, whether it's a job or it's mm-hmm. out of the office or it's 
or it's across the country or across mm. the world. I think people are we're, we're sort of entering a new era of humanity where people recognize that they they can thrive under circumstances that they have more control over mm-hmm. and they're choosing their own destiny. And I think that's exciting. And speaking of pivoting, speaking of choosing a destiny, Paul, is it always easy for you to pivot, for you to shift, for you to really choosing to see the bright side regarding the circumstance? It's no, it's certainly not easy. Um, and and I, I, I'm a bit of an advocate of the idea that the word entrepreneur refers to a, a an actual a rather actually unusual type of person. Mm. Um, How so? If you've read, and I, and I highly encourage it, at least the blog post about it or a podcast about it, if you've read uh, Smith's Wealth of Nations, it's one of the earliest books about the economy. And and it's a studied book because it's it, it gets into most of our traditional, typical concepts of businesses and merchants mm-hmm. and how the economy works and so on and so forth. And, and a gentleman by the name of John Baptiste uh, read the book and thought, hang on a second, there's, there's this certain type of person that's unusual. They're, they're incredibly risk tolerant. They keep doing different things. And, and, and that person isn't in Smith's book. Uh, what is that person? And, and so, say, coined the term entrepreneur, uh, trying to identify not, not the person who necessarily starts businesses, but the person who is always willing to dive into something else professionally, mm-hmm. is always willing to take on that risk, that, mm-hmm. that personal risk, mm-hmm. uh, and, and more often than not fails. The pivots are hard. More often than not fails, but it's out of, out of those attempts and out of those, those many, many, many failures trying new things that, mm-hmm. that the world discovers and uncovers new things uh, and, and hopefully forges different paths that make it better for everybody else. Do you always know that you are those people? Did I always know that I was one of those people? No, but maybe in hindsight, mm. you know, maybe in hindsight I did. I, I, um, I'm a closet introvert, but I got myself into theater. What? Um, yeah. You don't strike me as introvert, not even a small percentage. That's that's my dad's <laughs> that's my dad's advice, and and if I could impart that to every parent out there, including my own kids, get into public speaking. Take take a media class in high school. Mm. Get on stage, force yourself to to learn to communicate better and get comfortable in front of audiences because it's it's a it's not a it's not a skill easily taught. You have to mm-hmm. practice it. Mm-hmm. So do it. And that's what my dad said in in high school. He's like, "You're taking a communications class," and so I did. I took public speaking and and theater and uh, that that you know if I look at my past, um, I've always been into computers. I built computers, but I'm not an engineer. I've I've dabbled in theater. I've I I took a car part in college and put it back together, just trying to figure it out. So I suppose in hindsight, yes, I, I maybe I've always been like that, but I didn't realize it at first. You know, mm-hmm. who who goes to HP when they mm-hmm. to to work at a big company when they when they really have that entrepreneurial spirit? When did you realize? When is that light bulb moment shift? You realize, wow, this is a great company, but I'm gonna forge a different path. Uh, honestly, only recently. Uh, in 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 the birth of of media tech ventures, mm-hmm. you know, recently being a f- years ago now, but a few years ago now. Mm, tell us more. That my my experience coming to Austin was not as uh, professionally positive as I had hoped, 
And I'm happy to talk about that more. I'm trying to put it into words. Uh, Why? That when you do the work that many of us do and many of us want to do for and with startups, it's a very, very different culture mm -hmm. than a job. It's a mm. very, very different culture than than working in a company. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I use the word culture because it it's such a distinct aspect of society that it's very, very foreign to almost everybody. Uh, to to work for startups, to be explicit, right? Mm. If you want to be a per, the type of person who works for startups, not necessarily a founder, mm -hmm. right, uh, or or an investor for that matter, but you want to work for startups, you like startups, you mm -hmm. you want to you want to have a career in that in that line of work. It's a very different culture because you have to get comfortable with the fact that in all likelihood, the startup that you're working for will be gone in six months. Mm. It'll be gone in 12 months. And so you really have to change your mindset to the fact that, you know, you're not talking to recruiters. You're not really applying for jobs. Mm. You're, you're filling roles mm -hmm. and the roles change drastically, constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and Austin, Austin, to be frank, in most of the world, I'm sure your listeners can can appreciate, most of the world doesn't have that kind of culture, doesn't, doesn't think that way, isn't comfortable with constant change. Austin? Constant, didn't. Absolutely not. Uh, and, and, and still is quite a bit different than, than Silicon Valley, to be sure. You know, that my, my experience working with startups 20 years ago mm. was, was, you know, you work for three at a time mm. because why on earth would you only work for one? Odds are the one's going to fail. Yeah. Odds are the three are going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and for the most part, whether you're in marketing or you're a developer or, or you're in sales, for the, for the most part, depending on the stage of the startup, it's all the same stuff. Mm. It really is. That's kind of the secret of entrepreneurship, everybody. It's all the same stuff, right? If you're a series A startup, marketing is generally the same. Sales is generally the same. You're, you're selling something different, obviously, or mm -hmm. you're building something different. But, but the but the the technical characteristics of what that startup has to do at that time is typically similar, and so it's not difficult for you. For it wasn't difficult to to take on two or three at a time, mm -hmm. and you know you work. You don't work nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of work all the time. So you you, you work eight o'clock in the morning till two, mm -hmm. and then you work on a different one for you know till the evening, and then maybe at night you crank in a in another startup that's at a different stage, and maybe you're easier to help. And 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 there's a, a an appreciation and a recognition of the fact that you probably won't be there in a year, mm -hmm. either because the startup will fail mm -hmm. or because they'll change to a different stage. Mm -hmm. And when they change to a different stage, they probably need different people, mm. right? So a startup ecosystem generally has a very, very, very mobile, mm -hmm. very transitory mm. set of professionals who are used to being at completely different places almost constantly. Speed dating. Very much so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in most most cities, your listeners, Austin was was like this and actually is still very much like this. You, you can be a very tech-centric city. Austin was a very tech-centric city. Mm -hmm. That's not the same as being a very an, an, an entrepreneurial and startup-oriented city, mm -hmm. right? Because you can work at a tech company for 20 years. Mm -hmm. You can be, work at a very innovative company for, for a long time. It's not the same as startups. Tech and startups are not the same. Um, and, and, and so Austin was a place where when I arrived and, and I met with, honestly, I even I met with the VCs here, the venture capitalists here in Austin, mm -hmm. and they'd ask for my resume. I'm like, what do you mean my resume? <laughs> 
what does my resume have to do with any, anything? You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you to tell me what kind of startups you are involved in so that you can figure out where you need me. This isn't an interview. Yeah. I haven't interviewed in 15 years. <laughs> right. It was just this very still, still kind of traditional corporate mm-hmm. HR oriented, career path oriented. You know, you work at a company for 15 years culture. Mm-hmm. Austin's changed a little bit. To be mm. sure, but it's still quite a bit like that. It's still it's still a lot like uh, a more traditional economy where even people who want to work with startups or work in startups here in Austin mm-hmm. have the mindset, have the mistaken mindset that if they get a job at a startup, they'll probably be there for two or three years. And and I hate to break it to y'all, but there's a 99% likelihood that you won't be there in three years. <laughs> and so if you want to work with startups in general, uh, you, you do. You have to change your your mm-hmm. thought process, you have to change your expectations and you've, you've got to mature as an economy or as a city, you've got to mature a culture that's much more mobile, much more flexible. Let's just keep moving on. Let's keep pivoting, to use your word, Wayne, mm. right? Keep pivoting to whatever might be next and, and dismiss or move on from the failures as quickly and efficiently as we can. Mm. Speaking of failures, Paul, I wonder, is there any failure that you remember back in your earlier career that you you know, had a significant impact on you and that shaped who you are today? Uh, without question. Um, <laughs> at Yahoo, I largely worked in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And at HP, I actually worked for HP Shopping, commerce, retail. Oh. Retail for HP. Uh, obviously, now I work in media innovation. And a big part of the reason for that is that uh, my early career was mostly in commerce and and uh, and, and retail. Mm-hmm. And so when I got pulled into startups and and had a couple of successful startups working working for other people's startups, I figured I can do this. Mm. Uh, and so I started an e-commerce company, uh, drop shipping uh, product. And uh, before Amazon. Uh, about about the same time, okay, right? But but before Amazon, really, yeah, before Amazon, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and you know, here here I am. I I know how to build websites. I know how to set up commerce. I know how to to, to mm-hmm. connect APIs, and and uh, I've been I've been successful in online marketing. And I thought this will be a piece of cake. Mm. Well, was it? I you know I certainly did not have any exposure to fintech. Mm. And, and that side of the equation. Uh, great lesson in why teams are so critical to, to startups. Teams are so critical to startups that here I am trying to do it myself, mm. figuring I learned all the lessons I need to. Uh, and, and about two months into, into this company that I had I'd kicked off, uh, start, started getting ex, an explosive number of sales. And that's, I was, I that's was great. thrilled. Right, that's wonderful. Yeah. I was thrilled. <laughs> And about a week later, I get a call from the FBI, uh, curious uh, what I was doing with all this merchandise that was was being acquired, and 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 it was a very unusual call. I'm like, well, you know, I'm sorry, what do you mean? What the merchandise I'm acquiring? And, and they said, well, we're we're trying to figure out whether or not you're involved in this conspiracy that we're exploring, um, where a lot of folks are fraudulently oh my placing orders. And, and buying merchandise and then, you know, selling it on the black market. Mm. And that's what happened to me. I, I had been taken advantage of, frankly, taken advantage of and, and, and ended up, I don't know, fifty or $60,000 worth of product in the hole uh, when, when fake credit cards, right? How fintech works, something I didn't know. 
fake credit cards and managing oh. managing customers properly. Uh, uh, oh no! Took took me to the bank, right? And uh, and so with that investigation happening, and and then frankly, this this revealing this insight to my ignorance, I, I actually just shut it down. I thought this. This isn't what I'm interested in doing. Mm, mm. You know, this 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 didn't really align with my passion mm. and evident in my making mistakes and learning some hard lessons. Mm. I'm going to start exploring some other things. I'm going to start learning more. Uh, and and that's that's really how I got into working with startups much, much more was mm. figuring, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to continue to focus on what I do well mm. and do that for other people as much as I possibly can uh, until I figure out my real path in life, my real purpose in life. Was that failure hard to take at the moment? Yeah, yes, yes and no. Yes, yes and no. Almost no in the sense of, you know, it's a, it's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But but at the same time, a, a, a bit of a, a, a perspective to appreciate too about working for startups is, is the fact that most founders lose money. Mm -hmm. That that everyone too if you want to work for startups and you want to make two hundred thousand dollars a year <laughs> good luck <laughs> it's not you know we, we we don't work with startups we don't work in the startup ecosystem for financial reasons mm. we really don't if if you want to get rich invest in real estate and if you want to have a, a productive successful career go work for a company mm. um so so it was painful but losing that amount of money relative to not necessarily making anything anyway Mm. Right. Or, or relative to having spent money to try to start something already anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, at the end of the day, that's an annual salary mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it certainly hurt. But that's why I call it a painful lesson more than more than being, you know, destructive or or, or, or just the end of the world. Because it, it. How do you not let it to be end of the world? Um, I think it's that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. I think it's that personality that says, hey. You know, mm -hmm. this is what happens mm -hmm. because it is right. Mm -hmm. This this is what happens. I, imagine being a, a an angel investor or venture capitalist. They lose. They lose. By the way, everybody, they lose a lot more money, <laughs> a lot more money, right? Because they're putting in millions. Yeah. <laughs> so so when you when you put it in perspective about what it means to work as an entrepreneur, or what it means to work with startups, you 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 either feel comfortable with that and you move forward, mm -hmm. as few people do. Or, or you know, you take your lumps and you go get a job again, mm. as most people do. Uh, you know, you you discover yourself. Um, what do you discover by yourself, Paul? That I was comfortable with it. Mm. That I was comfortable with it. I'm not. I'm not sure my my wife appreciates that I'm so comfortable with it. But I, but I really discovered that I was comfortable with uh, taking on those personal risks myself. Mm -hmm. I was comfortable with not being wealthy. Mm. I was comfortable with. Um, you know, I was comfortable with the fact that for us to try, for us, for for anyone to to try to be innovative, to be entrepreneurial, uh, you have to be comfortable with the fact that you're probably going to lose things along the way. Mm. Uh, and and in discovering, I was comfortable with that. You know, it enabled me to take greater risks and try different things. It enabled us to mm -hmm. to jump to Austin on a wing and a prayer, and mm. it enabled us to uh, it enabled me to in time visualize and, and and create this vision for media tech ventures and what mm -hmm. we're trying to do for the economy and, and startups in general. Uh, I don't think that those moves, I don't think those migrations, I don't think that change would have been possible if I hadn't experienced something hard mm -hmm. to help me realize that 
that you survive that, that you can get through that and you could thrive on the other side. Mm. So tell us about the other side. Tell us more about uh, MediaTap Venture, why you started, what is the mission behind, all the fun things. For the last 10 years, the world has had a lot of you know, thought leaders and politicians and, and influencers trying to coin these changes as the metaverse most recently or mm. uh, distributed computing and uh, before that, um, uh, the digital revolution, right? We, if you look at all the pundits, they're always trying to explain what's been going on in, in the world and in the economy. And I, I, I try to put it rather simply, which is that in the last 10 years, the world has been waking up to the fact that our entire existence now is dependent upon the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I challenge anybody listening to prove me wrong. Frankly, you wouldn't be listening if I was wrong. <laughs> but, but I challenge anybody to prove me wrong because, you know, you may not work on the internet, right? You may not work online, but the fact is you're, you're getting products delivered to you that way and, and your car has a map thanks to the internet. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you're probably booking classes in school or, or applying to college thanks to the internet. Mm-hmm. Literally everything, humanity is, is now in what, what was coined 25 years ago is what, what's now referred to as the information age. Mm. Uh, the information age essentially means every absolutely everything that humanity knows is available on demand, mm-hmm. including everybody's opinion, mm. <laughs> thanks to social media, right? Everybody's opinion, everybody's perspective. But what what many people still don't fully appreciate and realize is that fact that everything is freely available. All knowledge is freely available. It's just out there. You just got to know where to find it and how to find it. And that revolution took place twenty. Five years ago. So my point about the last 10 years is that it's only in the last 10 years I've come to appreciate. It's only in the last 10 years that most of the world is starting to realize that. But it happened a long time ago. Uh, it happened a long time ago because it was largely stuck in Silicon Valley. Mm. Right? That everybody in Silicon Valley kind of experienced it firsthand, whether it was eBay or Amazon or AOL or Yahoo or Google and Facebook. Uh, the internet was largely defined by and, and built by there mm-hmm. outside of, you know, a, a Spotify in Europe or mm-hmm. subtle occasion somewhere else. Well, in the last 10 years, every other industry has almost, has sort of had this light bulb go off, right? The transportation industry, the shipping industry, the CPG industry, the, the finance industry, the, these light bulbs have been going off as people have gone, huh, what does this mean when we can connect with absolutely everybody in the world and get all of the information we possibly need? It's, it's revolutionary. It's evolutionary. It's, it's disruptive. Uh, and in media in particular, media, media being everything from advertising to music, uh, video games, podcasting, film, the news, you've certainly experienced my point, right? It's in the last 10 years that, that media in a very broad context has just been completely turned over. Uh, we had fake news. Mm. The fake news scandal for a reason. Uh, we're now exploring the metaverse and NFTs. Um, how we consume music is different, right? We've, we've had VR emerge. And if you haven't played with an Oculus or HoloLens yet, you absolutely should. It's the coolest kind of experience you, you, you can imagine. None of this stuff existed 15 years ago. 
And so we've got an entire sector of the economy that overnight is, is completely changing. Um, and so in appreciating that change and appreciating the cause of the change and in being very passionate about how it shouldn't be so difficult for everybody to, to just be successful, um, a few of us were inspired to do something about it. And a lot of people are inspired to do something about it, right? There are a lot of incubators for, for startups. There are a lot of companies trying to help. We were, we were inspired to do something about all of it. Uh, how do you completely build an industry or a sector? That was the mission. That was the, that was the inspiration that, that media now and going forward is actually media tech, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that 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 musician can't succeed at all without technology, even in the sense of the microphone and speakers to play at a venue mm-hmm. is technology. Mm-hmm. That if you're in the media industry in any context, if you're a journalist and you don't know how to use social media, mm-hmm. you're not going to be very successful. If you uh, if you're a startup and, and you have no grasp of how to promote what you're doing or reach people on the internet. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make it. Uh, media is is intertwined with technology, and 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 if we can teach that, and we can help companies understand that, and we can help investors mm-hmm. realize that, uh, we can help everybody thrive. Mm. That was the start, uh, and uh, and so now there's a, a pretty substantial group of us. We've we've built some platforms. We're looking at real estate, we're looking at uh, venture funds. Uh, we've been helping startups for five or six years now throughout the world. Uh, and I, I think we've started to stumble into something. We've started to stumble in a way to, as, as we referred to it in your, your introduction of me, when this notion of venture development is, is this hybrid of economic development, venture capital. You know, can we actually build industries and build ecosystems designed to help investors support entrepreneurs? The answer is absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yes. Uh, we've seen it in other sectors. We're doing that for the media industry and media technology. What does that look like? Two, two, two good examples that everybody might appreciate best because they're a little bit more obvious. Uh, example number one is something we're experiencing unfortunately, rather substantially in the world today, which is the energy industry. Um, and, and the fact that gas prices are now twice what they used to be. Mm. That, that if you look at the energy industry, uh, th- there are places in the world that are important, physical geographic places in the world that are important. Houston, Middle East, Russia and Ukraine, un- mm. un- unfortunately. Right? There are places that matter. Why? Because there's infrastructure. There's, there are the natural resources that we need, right? If you neglect that infrastructure, you neglect those natural resources, you, you, can't, mm-hmm. you can't make the industry work. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's in identifying those places that then you can put the right people in place. You can train people properly to focus on that sector. You can put companies in, in greater proximity so they create jobs. They, mm-hmm. they, they provide innovation. They, they move capital more effectively. But then even think broad, more broadly than that about economic development. You can steer journalists and press attention to the right places. Mm-hmm. Right? Should the should the journalist for the for the energy or clean tech industry uh, be in Bozeman, Montana? 
No, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. So you so you end up with more efficient news, more efficient journalism. Uh, the 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 city, uh, the the economic development office, the chamber can can more capably and meaningfully focus on that sector as well because they know here in Houston we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that in Phoenix because it doesn't make as much sense, right? Mm-hmm. The other good example, the other great example is the healthcare industry. Um, in in a more microeconomic context. You know, every every city has to have a healthcare industry. But if you if you look at your city, you can probably identify the fact that most healthcare resources are in the same part of town. A couple of hospitals, all the clinics, all the labs, uh, maybe near the university. That that same idea conceptually, they they tend to coalesce mm-hmm. around one another because of shared resources, shared experiences, mm-hmm. shared capital, uh, shared partnerships, and so forth. Economic development to help an industry thrive. Beautiful. Well, the same thing happens in media innovation. It's just not as obvious to most because mm-hmm. in most cities, it's not as substantial mm-hmm. as a place like Hollywood. Hollywood's a wonderful example of, mm-hmm. of the point. Mm-hmm. Most places aren't as substantial as Hollywood because they maybe do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Right? They've got some musicians. They've got, they've got a couple of radio shows. They've got mm-hmm. newspapers. Well, there's not really as much reason to coalesce because there isn't really a media industry. Mm-hmm. Instead, you have media resources. You've got, mm-hmm. you've got some media things. So can we not turn that into a media industry? Well, sure we can. Same idea. Mm. Where do they tend to be? East side of town, north side of town, mm-hmm. west side of town. What's there, right? Are they better at video games? Maybe there's more video game stuff than there, mm-hmm. than there is radio. Uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's more of an advertising industry in, in your city than, than a, a news industry. So when you identify those things, that's, that's what marketing does. That's what economic development is. When you identify those things, you can help them thrive. You can help mm-hmm. them connect. Mm-hmm. Right? You you build infrastructure. You build communities. You build groups. You build events. You build mm-hmm. conferences. Uh, and, and then the role that we play in media tech ventures is we teach. So we teach the founders. We teach the mentors. We teach investors uh, how this industry works. We help connect. We put those events together. We put the communities together. And then we work with the companies and the cities mm-hmm. to help them recognize better how to participate in a way that's meaningful to the entrepreneurs, whether that's sponsoring things or, or tax incentives or identifying the right kind of companies to move mm-hmm. or relocate to a different part of town or to your town. We, we can collectively underwrite the risk of being an entrepreneur by moving more capital into the ecosystem so that those startups, those, mm-hmm. those media tech entrepreneurs can take those risks and in taking those risks, we innovate. In taking those risks, we create jobs. Uh, and, and in time, that matures more of an industry where you are than disparate media things that may not work together very well. Wow, that's incredible, Paul. Tell us, what is your vision? What is the future you'd like to see with Media Tap Venture? In, in what we're doing... To be honest, I, we, we have a very very atypical kind of vision for the future in the sense that we're not building a company like someone says. We're building a company to, mm-hmm. to, to product market fit, right? To solve this problem and deliver a solution or to please customers or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or to make money. Obviously, we're in it to make money, but that's, that's not really our intention. Uh, the people that work with Media Tech Ventures, including all of our mentors and, and advisors in, in the incubators, they're all people that – do this for a living anyway. That, that sort sort of like my own story uh, about my past. When we talk to folks who we want to get involved or we think should be involved, 
we're actually looking at who they are as a person and whether or not they're going to do this kind of thing for the rest of their lives anyway. And, and, and we look for that because we're like that. You know, I, I took stock of myself five or six years ago and said, you know what? I'm going to be working with startups and media for the rest of my life, no matter what. Why would I continue to do that myself? That's kind of silly. Why don't we build something? That there are a lot of people who have a career or have a job because they're paying for a house or paying for, for kids' college or, or saving for retirement. And then there are some people who do what they love and, <laughs> and will always do that no matter what. I, I, think, I think the future needs to be a lot more like the latter. That, mm. that we all should be enabled and empowered and have access to the things that mm. make it possible for us to do what we love. Mm. And in media and innovation and in, in the media industry in particular, uh, I, I, I hope for much, much greater collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, much more sharing of data and information, mm-hmm. uh, much, much more uh, partnership between capital and the public sector and, and companies. To help people do that, to help mm-hmm. people thrive on their own terms, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely think it's possible. We've proven it. You know, mm-hmm. we've not proven it. We've not proven it worldwide and at scale yet, but we've certainly proven that it's possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what we're seeking to accomplish: is that anybody who wants to work and and almost more so live in this way should be able to. There's no reason they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, we tear down the barriers that prevent people from being able to do so. What are the biggest barriers? Education and access. Mm. Mm. Uh, hands down, education and access. That most 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 startup or entrepreneurial education, to be frank, is is lacking. Mm-hmm. And 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 whether or not that was the case, the fact is, our our own traditional system of education simply can't keep up with the pace of change of innovation. Agree. It just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and so it certainly can't keep up with the pace of change of innovation, let alone how fast media is also changing. Mm-hmm. Right? So you stick those two together, media and tech, you stick those two together. My industry, our industry moves at lightning speed, mm-hmm. right? If it takes if it takes years for pharmaceuticals to, to reach the market, <laughs> in my world, it takes days for something else to, to change, right? And, and hours. Um, it's just impossible to keep up with that. And so we need a we need a model or a system of education that that focuses just on these sectors whether mm-hmm. it's my sector or your sector or somebody else's sector mm-hmm. you need a you need an approach to education that focuses just on that mm-hmm. so you can capably keep up with things and, and impart that to people and then access and access really really to me actually means two things that the media industry is one in which traditionally big companies uh, uh, were were a dependency right? you had to get signed to a label Mm. Uh, you 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 had to had to have a big budget in order to get the the big ad spends. You you know you you had to be a part of a, a big company in order to participate in media. If you wanted to be a newspaper reporter, you had to work for a, a formal newspaper. Right now you can now you can do that yourself if you'd like. That you used to have to be a part of a big, big company, and that that created barriers to to access. Right. Yep. What if I couldn't? What if I didn't want to? What if what if I didn't live there? Uh, luckily, that's changing. But, but it's also access in the sense of the impact of that education that most people aren't being informed well about how the internet works. And so they just don't have a- access to mm-hmm. the information that's available or the, the tools that are available or, or the social networks. Mm-hmm. Right? If you want to be a, a music tech professional, where do you connect with people? Are they on LinkedIn? 
Yeah, maybe. Are they an angel list? Yeah, maybe. Right. So how do you find your peer group? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in fact not that difficult, but those barriers still exist, and so mm-hmm. we're breaking down those barriers to make it easier for people. Education, access. I think you see. I think you see very obviously the implication of those barriers mm-hmm. in cities that are struggling in mm. in certain demographic groups mm-hmm. that that don't have the same access right? if we you, you can almost paint this in a lens of diversity and inclusion i think diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion is two things in fact i think it's a bit of privilege and prejudice but it's also just the fact that traditional historic models don't don't enable people to participate in the same way that they do across the board for everybody um that's easy to fix. That second consideration is easy to fix, right? We can open doors. We can mm-hmm. make better connections for, for, for everyone in the world. Mm. The faster we do that, the more we do that, the more everybody is successful. I love that, Paul. You have such a beautiful lens about the future, what it'd be like. Incredible. So I want to circle back to you, Paul. Um, have you found your true calling yet? Have I? Yes. And what does that look like? Uh what what I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm 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 very blessed. I'm I'm doing what I, in hindsight, I'm doing what I was born to do, and and I don't think many people get the, get the opportunity to say such a thing. That's a strong that, that's word. That's what drives me. How do you know? I'm comfortable. I'm happy. Mm. Um, I love working. Mm. And I, you know, I don't just love working in the sense of a startup founder or an entrepreneur. You know, being excited to try to build a company and solve a problem. I, I, I could be doing something completely different tomorrow in media tech ventures. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a generic sense, not in our company, but in, in ventures for media technology. You know, you, you could tomorrow present something to me and say, hey, Paul, let's go do this too or instead. Mm-hmm. And I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled to help do that because, uh, yeah, I, I, I found who I am professionally. And that's not without struggle. Mm-hmm. Life is not without struggle. I've learned those lessons. Uh, but when you can, f- you know, it's, it's, it's like finding somebody you love and, and, and being able to spend the rest of, the, of your life with them. That's, that's what it's like to mm. find yourself in a position professionally where, you know, I, I, I don't leave the office and go home and get to crawl into bed with, with the person I love. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's more so that wherever I am all the time, I'm, I'm experiencing that. Um, I, when I, when I go home from the office, I'm just as happy as when I'm in the office, right? Getting to do what I do. Um, it's incredible, Paul. You have so much joy at everything you do. That is so inspiring. I, I hope so, but I hope it's inspiring in the sense of encouraging everybody listening to Mm -hmm. be introspective to, 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 you know, spend some time on your own, meditate. Read some more books. Listen to po- do something different. Do something different than what you would normally do. You know, if you exercise all the time, good for you because I don't. But if you <laughs> exercise all the time, you know, do something completely different. Go, 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 do a movie marathon. Go, go, rent out a theater and sit in there and watch movies all day, just for the heck of it, just to to see what happens, to experience life in a different way. That that I hope my inspiration is that. This is possible. It is it is possible to find and do what you love. Not easy, and it could be a hard hard road along the way. Mm-hmm. 
But it is it is absolutely possible, and there are countless people throughout the world, mm-hmm. like myself, who want to help everyone do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Figure out what in your life might be a little off, or or discover something different mm-hmm. that that maybe you didn't see before, and lean in on that. Lean in on that by connecting with people, by mm-hmm. by starting a bunch of conversations with with people about your discovery. Mm-hmm. of yourself and and you'll find helpers you'll find people who want to support you i really love that paul and i oftentimes tell people i think you i think me i think he i think she i think we all like little light bulb on this planet and if our light bulb can be just one pixel brighter the whole world is a brighter and happier place so the way how i say it is follow your light because we all have that light within us and if you're in a in a situation that you don't feel like you have joy all the time, you don't feel like you love, you love what you do all the time, follow that light. You know that. Whether it's a book that you're reading, a conversation you just had, a movie you watch, you felt inspired, you felt some part of it intrigue your interest. And that's why I call find or follow your light. So then you can shine your light bulb one pixel brighter when you really find that one thing, just bring your joy. That's really a wonderful way to think about it. And, and, and if I may add to it, Yes, sir. Maybe this maybe this has come through in the in the last bit of time that we've been talking here. But you know, a lot of a lot of people struggle with that light not being on, mm. or or like or or feeling like the light bulb was out. Mm. You know that that that's really where my motivation comes from. In- encouraging everyone to to appreciate that when your point is is precisely correct, but that too if. If you don't feel like you have that light bulb, or 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 it's the wrong color, or mm, it's the mm. or it's or it's the wrong type, you know, you still got an incandescent bulb, but it's too expensive. And, you know, you, that that there are people who will help you relight that. There are people who will mm. help you explore what the differences are. Mm. You know, how to change your light, how to how to turn it back on. Um, mm. And and you know, so if you're if you're in in, in one of those dark places mm-hmm. to make that mental health turn. If you're in one of those dark places or, or, or life just doesn't seem right or, or you're struggling financially or, or with health, reach out, right? Reach out, find people, mm. connect with people because they have that extra pixel too, mm. right? Someone else has that extra pixel that may be the one you're looking for uh, that, that brightens yours up a little bit more so that you find the path that you're looking for. I love that. Beautiful set. And the one thing that I learned recently is it's not about what, it's not about how to do X, Y, Z, it's about who. If you felt stuck, you might not have all the answers by looking for that one person, that mentor, the friends, that dear family members, looking for that who, she or he might have that exactly the extra pistol you're just looking for all year round. A- access and education, those two hurdles that, that get put in place, those mm-hmm. two hurdles that are barriers to to so much of the world, to to what mm-hmm. so many are trying to accomplish. You're right. Who 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 is a matter of access, right? Can I can I reach? Can I talk to? Do I know? The answer is yes. If, if you don't Always think so, yes. the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> uh, that that it's easier than I think people realize. And and we learn from others, right? So education is mm-hmm. also about who, mm-hmm. right? It's true. From whom are you learning? From what experiences have mm-hmm. others had that you're drawing? Uh, who who are your mentors? Who are your guides? Um, reach out and find find different perspectives and find different people to connect with. 
and find your way forward. I love the point you just said. Who and if you feel like you could not reach him or her, of course you can't. And that reminded me now when I was in high school, when I was stuck in this mountain town in China, and that that was my teacher. He said this. He said we are only six degree separation for any other person on this whole planet. And at the time, I'm in the mountain. We don't have internet. We don't have cars. And I was like, that's not possible. I remember. I still remember that moment of me pondering in my mind. No, that is BS. I don't believe you. And now I'm thinking about wow. Now three decades later, I sit across to the one and the only Paul having this conversation. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is yes. He is absolutely true. And yes, what a magical moment. And that just not only. Give me the, just a moment of joy, but in the same time, just want to reinforce the point you made is whoever have the extra pixel that you're looking for, knowing that he or she, of course, is within your reach too. I feel, I feel like oftentimes you just need to to reach out. That's all it is. That that that's exactly all it is. And and when you've you've painted a wonderful illustration about my point about the internet that mm. that. That indeed, before the internet or twenty five years ago, no way. Yeah, you could be on a mountain in 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 China. You could you could be in the desert of of Phoenix and 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 just not be able to reach people. Not at all. But but today, for all of the the mm. detriments and concerns and so forth about social media, the fact is you can today reach just about everyone. In the I world so agree. And and chat and share and teach and learn. And uh, debate just- <laughs> and argue and <laughs> and try to uncover misinformation, but at the same time, uh, so fun. connect and 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 it, it's made the world a much smaller place. You mm-hmm. know, we're 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 able to work with literally anyone everywhere, and that's magical. I love that. I love the magical world, and I so appreciate this because you know where I come from. There's no information where if right now I'm sick. It's not matter of me going to a hospital. It's more about me thinking about oh, does my my auntie's、uh, cousin's、uh, sister who is a doctor? So maybe I will go asking her or his help for help me find an appointment, so on and so forth. You get the picture. So where I come from is opposite of access of information, where it so depends on inter. Direct family members connection for you to get anywhere, get anything done. And I just remember as little as remember, I feel like wow, this is so inefficient. But there's no any other way. Versus today, I'm sitting on this side of the earth, and you know, hearing the conversation debate about oh, is it too much information? Oh my god, is it too much social media? So on and so forth. But I sitting here feel like this is so magical. This is literally how I see the American dream. It's there's so much of everything. You can take whatever you feel like. This is such a blessing and such a magical world that we all get to take whatever that align with our heart. I, I really love your observation of that because it it helps it helps illuminate that point that education is a critical piece of the puzzle. So much. And and how quickly media is a part of absolutely everything, and, and、mm-hmm. in, in that、uh, there there are pros and cons, there there are advantages and disadvantages to every form of media and everything we're doing. Of course, that the 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 reason the reason the world struggled with fake news for the last four or five years、mm-hmm. is truly truly only because. 
people weren't as familiar with the internet's role mm-hmm. in news. Mm-hmm. Fake news has been around for millennia. <laughs> I was like, I'm really not surprised. Where it's, I come from, every single day is fake news. It, it, right? <laughs> and, 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 but, but suddenly, right, you had, you, we had a lot more people experiencing mm-hmm. it on the internet, mm-hmm. in, on, on social media sites, and going, mm-hmm. oh, this, this fake news is terrible stuff, and how are we ever going to protect ourselves from it? Well, the way we protect ourselves from it is to learn mm-hmm. how the media industry works and, mm-hmm. and how, to, how to discern for yourself fact from fiction, because... Mm-hmm. Back back in the 1900s, there was there was fake news in the newspaper, and before mm-hmm. that, right, that in my opinion, I do not think is fault of technology or media, and so on and so forth. I think it's we human beings now we have a different magnifier to magnify whatever that's being existing already. Yes, and now maybe it sounds louder, maybe it sounds quote unquote darker, but it's not a fault. Of technology or media. Absolutely agree with that. You could almost even observe everyone. You can almost even observe how there isn't actually more of the worse. There's actually less mm. of the worse. So agree. What we what we are struggling with is what's called perception bias. That, yep. that because we get so much more information in general, because there's so much more communication in general, because mm-hmm. the internet has opened up the entire world to us, mm-hmm. we're inclined to consume the worst consume the bad and infer that there's a lot of it and it's mm-hmm. terrible and mm-hmm. oh my gosh it's all worse than it used to be the, that's also the, how our mind works correct if i read today's a great day that's the title of the article i might not gonna read that versus well today something tragic happened I was like, oh my god now i'm hooked i'm connected right so it's not really i don't think so like i really felt it's really just how we are as a human being, how we think. Humanity is better. Humanity is absolutely better thanks to the internet. We're, I we're, agree. There, there are, and that's the point, right? There are, there are experiences online where you can find toxic people. There are places that have bad posts and communication, and mm-hmm. but, but there, in, in fact, if you look holistically about the world, it is, it is not a worse place. We're, we're eliminating mm-hmm. racism. We're, we're eliminating mm-hmm. hate. We're, we, that, I agree. that people in general are absolutely more positive and, and, and more supportive and, and, and a, and a closer mm-hmm. humanity. Evident, evident even in that, that, that quick reference I made to the perspective of the Great Migration, right? Yeah. That, that two years ago, the headline was the Great Resignation. Mm-hmm. How bad is the world today? We're all resigning. Companies are terrible. We can't find them. We're all resigning. Exactly, right? The reality is something wonderful is happening. Mm-hmm. People are waking up to the fact that they can have a better life. People are waking up to the fact mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be putting themselves in those circumstances with bad employers. Mm-hmm. People are waking up to the fact that they can move somewhere else, mm-hmm. migrate somewhere else, and 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 live where they'd prefer to live mm-hmm. or or work from home if they prefer to work from home. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely a great thing. But yeah, it gets spun in the negative because that's what people consume. You know, in Chinese, the, the, the word crisis, it names, it pronounced weiji, which literally is two words combined, danger and opportunities. And yes, Wedzi? Wedzi. Wedzi. And in, I think in Eastern culture, right, the duality is always um, we being appreciated. Like they always other side of coins. I mean, of course, how can anything be just truly once and be all? Like that's never gonna be the case. And I so agree with what you said about um, the greatest quote unquote destination or resonation. What's the word? Um, 
is absolutely fantastic thing. That means people are quote unquote waking up to their mission, to their heart, to their dream, and they follow the path. What a beautiful world we are living without this internet, without this technology, without this democratize the access to any information we want. This is not possible. Thinking about generation of people live in my mountain town, it's absolutely no possibility. Even today, why I come out still extremely remote, and therefore, for them to have idea about they can Google anything, that is insane for them. So, I gotta speak from my experience. It is a wonderful world we live in. I love, I love the word. What a wonderful word. There, there's a podcast maybe we should do together. Because it is a, it, it is a wonderful word. My, my, my entire life, your, your, your exploration or your, your, your questions to get to know me better, as I think about it, that's, that's, that's been my series of experiences, right? From, from, from Michigan to Silicon Valley, from, mm-hmm. from difficult to, to thriving, from, from cancer to, to a better outlook on life, from, from, and then even, you know, I praise Silicon Valley relative to Michigan, but then frankly, from Michigan to Austin. And mm-hmm. now Austin, Austin is a, a, an incredible, wonderful place to, mm-hmm. vibrant place to, to mm-hmm. be. Um, Texas in general is because of the same notion, right? Texas has had challenges in the past and yet, and yet today it's, it's become one of the epicenters mm-hmm. for, for the world uh, in, in innovation. There's, there's always something to learn, something to draw from on the bad side of the coin uh, I, I toward like, the good side. As you're speaking, I, I will start re- thinking about if without the bad side, does good side even exist? Without the challenges in life, can we appreciate all those wonderful wings, success, all the amazing cherry on the top? Like, in my humble opinion, I felt those two size of coin must exist together so that we have a fuller experience of the entire journey that we are on. The way how I see it is our life is like taking a train, okay? From point A to point Z. And we meet some people and people, some, they part ways in certain stops and we meet new people. But along the journey, we are just here on the road trip. We don't want to see the desert the whole time. We want to see desert, we want to see ocean, we want to see lake, we want to see city, we want to see small town or big town all the way. But isn't that joy of the fun ride that we had in this journey called life? One of the hardest, uh, one of the hardest things to teach startup founders uh, is, is to reveal the hardships. To Why? reveal the difficulties. When 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 you start a company, if you want to be a startup founder, you know we're, we're taught we're taught things like the problem solution statement, <laughs> and and what that tends to make founders do is go, "There's a problem. I have the solution. I'm now going to tell you why my solution is the best in the world, and it's going to work, and it's wonderful, mm-hmm. and and I tell you all the good." Yep. is my is my point right? We 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 have this tendency to immediately sell, or or promote, or hype, or mm-hmm. or get you excited about uh, uh, how how everything's figured out, mm-hmm. and that's why it's hard to teach the fact that that you actually lose credibility if you mm-hmm. don't point out the things you're struggling with. You actually mm-hmm. lose credibility if you don't also point out that I haven't figured everything out yet. I haven't solved every problem yet. I'm still working on this problem. That's why it's a pitch. That's mm-hmm. why I'm, that's why I'm raising capital. <laughs> if, if I had all the answers, I wouldn't be raising capital, right? If I if I if if, if my solution was perfect, <laughs> yeah, 
I, I wouldn't even be talking to you, frankly. You'd yeah. be using it already because I've <laughs> solved everything and it's, and it's, and it's wonderful, right? And that that as a startup founder, we really have to distinguish ourselves from just working at a company, yeah. right? Where where you do, you can talk about all the good because you're flushed with resources and mm-hmm. products are in market and and, mm-hmm. and you've got a massive branding and advertising and customer service team behind you. And so mm-hmm. everything is great mm-hmm. as a company, but as a startup, mm-hmm. no, what, what what's difficult is to, it's why I love that that Chinese word that it, it's it's critical to remember that there are two sides to that coin that Always. that you can't be solving problems if there aren't still problems you can't be innovating if there isn't something that doesn't work yet that you're mm-hmm. working on right mm-hmm. and so it's critical as a startup founder when you're pitching when you're talking about what you're doing mm-hmm. to expose that and I find I find with um, you know South by Southwest is coming up I find that when I'm talking to to founders at at networking events or demo mm-hmm. events or meetups, I find that I have this tendency to pull that out of people, right? Ooh. That when I meet somebody, they'll they'll just lean in on their elevator pitch and what they're doing and how wonderful it is and how great it's going. And I'm like, okay, so what's wrong? Mm. Like, why why are you here trying to connect with people or talk to investors or 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 meet with me? If if you don't need help with something, mm. right? Tell me tell me what you need help with. You tell me what's truth. not working. Not it is the truth. It, it, you're right. It is the truth. But it's 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 more so this appreciation that in on in in innovation we have to be doing something that isn't yet solved. We have mm-hmm. to be doing something that isn't yet mm-hmm. isn't yet working. It's mm-hmm. the very it's it's Steve Blank's distinction and very definition of the word startup that it's a temporary venture mm. in search of a business model. Meaning meaning in reverse. We don't know what the business model is. So don't ask me what the business model is because I don't know yet. I don't have customers. Don't ask me how we're making money yet. How on earth do I know? Yeah. If I know, then it's not a startup. Yep. And and because it's a startup, it's a temporary venture, mm-hmm. meaning when we figure it out, we won't be a startup anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll be a company. So in that startup stage that we're in, the discussion we were having about – how how society has to have a different culture. How how people want to be need to be nimble and flexible and move mm-hmm. between different companies, move to different opportunities all the time. It's because a startup, by definition, doesn't have all the answers. There has to be something wrong. Mm-hmm. There has to be. So so it's it is truth, but it's almost more it's almost more honesty, which mm. which kind of means the same thing. But it's almost more be be realistic, be honest about the circumstances. Otherwise. It's hard to believe mm-hmm. the pitch. But how do you balancing a founder being one on one one side? He or she has to be so optimistic and bullish about the future, the vision they are going after. But at the same time, if imagine presenting in front of the pitch, the the VC, the the investor, and then also reviewing the part that the honesty, the challenges, the grind. And what is not working, right? How do you balance in that when his or her intention was to quote unquote impress, therefore getting a yes? But because the 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 impress has to come from a place of there is a reason I'm talking to you. Mm. There's a reason that I'm pitching mm-hmm. and not just selling, right? Mm. That that otherwise you're not actually impressing me. You're you're misleading <laughs> me, 
right? You're, you, you are, in fact, you're misleading me. You're, you're painting a picture about something that isn't true. Well, that's not impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's actually kind of insulting, right? That, that if you're, you're trying to tell me how wonderful everything is and it's all perfect and, and you know, and, and you see it in a lot of demo events or, or, or startup pitches where you go, this, this is fantastic. Can I download the app right now? <laughs> and they go, oh, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not there yet. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me you're not there yet? Right? So, Why did you pitch it as though it's ready to go? Right? Or 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 that everything's figured out. That mm-hmm. that again, as a startup, you're not yet a company. As a startup, you don't have all the answers yet. That's the definition. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's you you impress by showing, by telling people mm-hmm. that you've figured out what the gaps are mm-hmm. by overcoming those hurdles that we were talking yep. about in a sense. Yep. If you don't recognize the hurdles, if you don't know what the problems are and what you're doing, mm-hmm. if you don't see that there's there's help that you need, mm-hmm. think about it pragmatically. You're more likely to fail. Well, how many people are going to help you if you can't even identify your own problems and flaws and weaknesses? Blind, spot. mm-hmm. Blind spots, exactly, right? So we want to know those because that's what's impressive. I want to know that you've figured out what you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. I want to know that that you have a massive competitor that has to be overcome in some way. I want to know that because it helps us understand how we might be able to help you. Mm-hmm. It understands how you can help yourself so, <laughs> in order to overcome that competitor. So just to be completely frank here, Paul, are you recommending any startup in their own pitch, in their demo, adding that one piece or two in their competitive landscape slide or any other slide that reviewing what is his or her not even weaknesses but piece that they want to work on absolutely okay without question okay. I have, we have a whole class about that competitive analysis for example mm-hmm. about how most startup pitch uh, slide decks mm-hmm. have a horrific competitive analysis slide uh, yep. where it's like look here are our competitors and they all suck in some way and, and we're wonderful <laughs> I so like, agree. How on earth is that possible, right? You, 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 with your team of like three people, can afford to mm-hmm. do all of the things that your competitors can't. Bull, right? I mean, mm. of course, of course, your competitors are doing things better than you. They're also doing things worse than you. I like right? that. Mm. That 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 they have more resources in some regards. They have less resources in other regards. Maybe you have a, a better team, or you have more experience. That 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 honesty. Mm. It, it is truth that honesty, though, mm. is 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 more important than being honest. It shows that you've done the work mm-hmm. of understanding what you're working on, mm-hmm. so that so that investors can get involved, not just to give you money to figure it out, mm-hmm. but they give you money to solve those problems. Right? I love that. So it's more about reviewing what works, what doesn't work, in a very objective way, so that you can really see where your competitor win and where part that you can be better. So it's not really, it's, it's really honest perspective, but just it's not as, as bullish as, oh my God, all my competitor sucks and I am the best because A, B, and C. Yeah, I mean, you can almost say that backwards <laughs> when, right? That when you say all my competitors suck and I'm the best, most people look at that and go, yeah. Sure. Not true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next. Uh, because no, it's ne- it's never true. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you could yeah. be Google or Microsoft or, or yeah. you could be the best company in the world and it's still not true. It's just like right? any human beings. We are all work in progress. Exactly. So, Paul, speaking of pitches, now I just have, you know, very specific question to ask you. Number one is, I imagine you review pitches, I don't know, 10, hundreds, thousands a week, probably. And generally, how many percentage of pitches you can say really sucks? Just a big picture. 95. 95%? Oh, easily. I, I, Why? There, there Talk, are, give me top three reasons. 
Uh, Tough sweep. Most most founders think marketing means advertising and promotions. They don't do marketing. Mm. Number one reason. Uh, hands down, that 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 reason has been studied by economists. It's been studied by a whole bunch of venture capitalists. What is your definition of marketing in this startup? Study the market. Mm. You you should not invest one dollar or one hour of time in building anything. Mm-hmm. No MVP, no prototype, nothing, uh, until you have studied the market. You know the competitors. You mm-hmm. know the history. Mm-hmm. You know the partners. Mm-hmm. You know the you know the the potential investors. Mm-hmm. You know how you might exit. Mm. Uh, and you've you've talked to a lot of people, hundreds of people. So really, just do your research, know the market, know your competitor, know your product, know the space you're in. With all that, yep. before you even start investing MVP, so on and so forth. Yeah, before you before you even set up a company. Yeah, yeah. Well, why bother setting up an LLC, let alone a, a C corp in yeah. Delaware? Yeah. If if you haven't yet figured out what to do, that's what mm. marketing is. Marketing is telling the company what to do. Mm. Uh, Hands down, it, it, it's it's in a bunch of studies. Uh, hands down, that is the number one cause. the The number two cause is is somewhat revealed in this uh, discussion we've been having about mm-hmm. uh, 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 about being honest about mm-hmm. what you're doing. The number two evidence that something is wrong is that the team lacks the diversity of skill sets and experiences mm-hmm. to fill the gaps. Mm. That that you don't have a you know, uh, a very experienced finance industry person, except mm-hmm. you're doing something in fintech. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a silly gap, right? Or, or you, you, or, or you're building a platform based on an advertising model, and you don't have anybody on your team who's worked in advertising or sales. Got it. Oh, come on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that 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 somebody is missing. Something, some some role is missing, and that's that's that that founder hubris. That's that founder optimism. Mm-hmm. That ah, I could. It, it's my own experience. Oh, I could do all of this. I've I've done startups before. I mm-hmm. I could figure it all out. Well, mm-hmm. no, you, even if you can, mm-hmm. even if you're the most brilliant startup founder or, or professional in the world, the fact is you can't fill every role. You can't do every job. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have those 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 roles filled. The team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team is the is the most important thing. It's the mm-hmm. most substantial thing that people invest in mm-hmm. is the number two reason. Uh, and the number three reason is evident in the asks. Mm. Uh, what you're raising money for, what you're asking for help for. Most, most startup pitches raise money for marketing, to hire people and for growth. And <laughs> you look at that and be like, you know, you can get a bank loan for that. <laughs> or, or or why don't you just get some more customers and hire what you need to get more customers, right? That that when you're raising capital, if you're seeking investors, you have to point out those gaps we were talking about. You have to point out mm-hmm. that we're raising money to go do this thing that we alone can't do. Mm-hmm. And that's going to transform us from this company, this little startup that we are today to something much, much more substantial, mm-hmm. right? It's not just going to, it's not just going to grow the business or scale the company. We're going to shift from being this mm-hmm. to being that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a very, that's a very hard thing to do. That's so a very show hard the thing result. to show the result, not just like I'm raising XYZ for hire three person, hire two this, there's, it's more about what do you want to, what's the result of, what is the pivoting, what is the growth yep. you're going after? Yeah, what's the re- results, a great word for it, a word that I often use is the outcome. Outcome, right? I love that. that. that it, especially if you think about it as a startup and you want to raise capital, mm-hmm. investors expect an outcome. Yeah. Whether it's an exit or an acquisition or you happen to be so successful, you maybe go public. Yeah. Investors get their money back because there's, there's an incident that takes place mm-hmm. that enables them to get paid back. Mm-hmm. It's technically an outcome. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to raise money, 
the the best starting place is at the end. The best starting point is to go all the way to the end, the outcome. I go, got it. If that's what we want to have happen Mm -hmm. in five years or seven years or 10 years or 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. It could take take forever. That's fine. If we want that outcome to occur, yeah, you work backwards. Yeah, that's exactly right. You work backwards and you go, got it. That means we'll have to do this Mm -hmm. in five years. That means we'll have to make sure we can compete against Mm -hmm. these things over here. That means we'll have to have this kind of team in place or we'll have to build this kind of infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what enables a founder to then look at themselves and their team and go, well, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to do what instead, right? We're going to mm-hmm. have to go hire those people or build these things or acquire that stuff. And mm-hmm. and that may require funding. Mm-hmm. Aha. Mm-hmm. There's there's our pitch, mm-hmm. right? There's what enables us to achieve that outcome, and and your success as a startup, your your growth, mm-hmm. your your customers, those are not the outcomes. The, those are just forms of validation mm. that you're capable, that mm-hmm. you're 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 effectively accomplishing your mission, that you're you're getting there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you're getting there. Uh, but but at the end of the day. You, you see it in what, what we kind of refer to as zombie startups or, or, or zombie companies. At the end of the day, a lot of startups get to $10 million a year, mm-hmm. $40 million a year, which would be great, right? great business. And they just can't figure out how to get to the next stage. Mm-hmm. It's because they didn't work with this mindset of what's the outcome that you're trying to accomplish as opposed to how mm-hmm. do you get from here to there, mm-hmm. work backwards, mm-hmm. and, then, and then plug in whether or not you got the right team mm-hmm. and study the market. Mm-hmm. There are your three things, right? Outcomes team, mm-hmm. market. Uh, study the market to give you the insight to what it takes to achieve that outcome. Talk about the outcome a little bit more, Paul. I think that's a blind spot a lot of founders has. Like, how do you define that? It's not the number of customer. It's not what do you, how do you, what are the matrix or benchmark would you use that for the outcome? To uh, measure the outcome. A, a lot of it, a lot of it weaves into what we've been talking about when with regard to how, how there's, there's a somewhat different culture in, in, in the startup sector, in the startup mm-hmm. in the startup world, and that different culture is is more mission driven. It's mm-hmm. more it's more vision driven and values driven mm-hmm. than financially driven, right? If 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 you want to start a new business to make that your profession and make a living and be successful and maybe get get wealthy, great. That's that's a new business. There are a lot of ways to do that and a lot of resources to do that. The startup world is quite a bit different than that because we all are the type of people who are doing this because we feel like something could be better, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, right? Yep. Something something could be better and we're, we're fixated and, and, and motivated to do something about it. When when you appreciate that different culture, that honestly different society, it, it changes the lens of what outcome means, right? Instead of outcome meaning making enough money every year to take care of my family or instead of outcome meaning, you know, being able to, to, to retire at, at 45 instead of 65 – your outcomes are more oriented to what it looks like to accomplish that mission. Mm-hmm. When when have we solved the problem that we set out to solve? So it's been meaningful to you as a company. It has to be meaningful to you as a company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You 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 brought up earlier when you brought up um, how it's not about what and how it's about who. Yeah. Um, I, I I believe that's the framework. A long, long time ago. I sat down with a bunch of venture capitalists and we were having this discussion about why pitch decks are always horrific and always the same, same standard template of pitch decks. Um, and and out of that conversation, series of conversations came this notion uh, from elementary school uh. and how humans are trained. Humans okay. are trained to learn who, what, when, where, why, and how. 
in English at least, right? Okay. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Everybody, everybody who went to kindergarten in, in the United States remembers who, what, when, where, why, and how. And, and if you think about the role of education and the importance of education, because we learn that at the youngest of ages, that becomes a part of our psychology. It, mm-hmm. it becomes the way we think. Mm-hmm. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And you'll notice if you're coming to South by Southwest or, or we're at South by Southwest, depending on when our podcast gets up, it, you go to a conference, you go to a networking event, you'll notice that people are kind of trained to talk that way too. They introduce themselves that way. Hi, my name is Paul, who I'm the CEO of Media Tech Ventures. What? When? I used to be in Silicon Valley. Now I'm in Austin. When? Where? where yeah. And where, right? Uh, and here's what I'm working on. Okay. Right. Here's what I'm working on. And, 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 and then, you know, I, I, I get fixated on telling you how it works. Mm-hmm. We're trained to, to think that way. And you made the point that who is most important. But the other thing that's most important, perhaps more important, why? is why. I tell the people, mission. without the why, what does not matter. Yeah, that's exactly right. I can tell you on and on and on about my software, my solution, my application, my scientist thing. Who cares? I don't care. <laughs> If I don't tell you the why, you need to be here right this moment, Paul. Listen to me connecting with you for five minutes. Yep. So we we go through this we go through this process in our incubators, mm-hmm. uh, and and we've got this framework, and I've done lectures about it with companies that that talk about how to change the way you think about those elementary concepts. It's mm-hmm. not who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's why, who, when, because when helps us understand the history and the future, which is opportunity. When, where, because where matters, and then what and how. And how is the least important? I agree. Least important when it comes to startups, because in fact, what you're doing is trying to figure out how it might work, not how it does work. If we know how it does work, it's not a startup. <laughs> This also applies to life as well. Exactly. Sometimes you need to know the how, the least, once you figure out the why and the what. Yep. And everything in between. And that's and that's the subtle distinction between new businesses and business in general from startups mm-hmm. and startup pitches. Mm-hmm. It's it's why the Uh, examples of how most startup pitches are poor mm-hmm. is so obvious that if you're telling me how, if you're if you're fixated on explaining to me how it works, and mm-hmm. you're you're so focused on how it works and what it is, mm-hmm. then either you must be an existing business model, mm-hmm. but you're pretending to be a startup. Because if you know if you know how it works, right? We know how a podcast studio works. You can go yeah. start one tomorrow. Yeah. And we know how an accounting practice works. You can go start one tomorrow and get help with that, right? That's yeah. that's pretty obvious. If you're a startup, you can't know that stuff. But if you're mm-hmm. fixated on the how and you're just you're you're, you're certain that this is the way it's going to work and this is what we're doing, you're you either lose credibility or you're wrong. Mm. You have to be wrong. Otherwise, you're not a startup. So you have to be wrong. And so that's why the why is so much more important mm-hmm. and the team is so much more important. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and understanding the market, which is the when and the where, mm-hmm. is so much more important. And so when you train your psychology to pitch differently and think differently or talk differently or just prioritize things differently, you know, mm-hmm. as a team of founders, as a, as a, as a team in a startup, mm-hmm. constantly be talking about why. Constantly. Mm. Why are we doing that? Oh, because I think I think the homepage would be better if we did it that way. Okay, but why? Why do you think that? Is this your opinion, or 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 do we have data, or do yeah. we have right? Well, I don't know. I think so. Well, okay, I value your opinion, but <laughs> we're your- here to solve problems, right? And, and so you've got to constantly be asking why to challenge everybody to to iterate, to pivot, iterate, improve, solve problems along the way. And if you're not comfortable talking about what those problems are and ex- Exposing your gaps and asking for help, mm-hmm. 
again, you either lose credibility or you're wrong because you've got to you've got to uncover what those problems are so you can get help with them. What is your why, Paul? My my I, I've never put it so eloquently, but hopefully it's somewhat evident in in what we've been talking about. My 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 why is that the world should not struggle as much as it does economically. Beautiful. Period. Um, there's a little more subtle mm-hmm. to, to that. Obviously, it's media related. Mm-hmm. Um, but that honestly, that has more to do with just me personally and who I am, and, and mm-hmm. my my enjoyment of movies and music and and working in advertising and so forth. Right? That's more so professionally who I am. Mm-hmm. The reason my my why for what we're doing is it it shouldn't be so difficult. It, it mm-hmm. can be it can be incredibly difficult to understand how to talk to investors or to work with cities or mm-hmm. to or to try to get things done with with universities or different countries mm-hmm. and i i just i don't i don't comprehend why there's any excuse for that whatsoever that that information is freely available mm-hmm. education could be freely available mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. transparency direction the, you know this information age has made it possible mm-hmm. For us all to connect, for us all to know, mm-hmm. for us all to take advantage of and leverage and do, um, and yet, and yet we don't because of hurdles. So we're trying to tear down those hurdles and make it easier for everybody so that we can all thrive. I really appreciate you, Paul. How you experience your own hardship and yet now you use as a mission to not let anyone else experiencing that. In other words, you bring all the love to others, so he or she can really skip those hurdles and go directly to their light, to their joy, to whatever they love to do in life. I love that. My second to the last question, uh, Paul, is: um, What would you say to uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or the entrepreneur in the early in their journey? What do you tell her or him? One thing. Hmm. There's so many. Yeah. I'm a little bit unusual in saying this, but because you said aspiring entrepreneurs, what I what I actually point out is you can't be an aspiring entrepreneur. Ooh. You you either are one or you're not. Um, you you can't learn to be. There's there, entrepreneur is not a job description. It's not a it's not a role at a company. Is that a pregnant? Um, you can't be half pregnant. You can either <laughs> yes or no. <laughs> no, no. In fact, it's, <laughs> no. Actually, actually, sort of the other way around, right? That that you can be an aspiring. You could you could aspire to be pregnant. Yeah, um, there's a there's a process to do that, which we will talk about on another show. Different uh, show, <laughs> different night. That that uh, you know, thinking about Say's distinction of of entrepreneur and that observation that there's certain types of people that are just different from business mm-hmm. owners. Mm-hmm. You can become a business owner. That's so different. Um, entrepreneur is a personality. By by some opinions, it's a personality flaw because it's so prone to failure. It's so prone to mental health issues because of of the challenges associated with people who are entrepreneurial. Mm. But the fact is, it's it, 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 it's a certain type of person. That now now I say that though because I think you can aspire to be like that. Mm-hmm. You need to force yourself into high risk circumstances, and you need to push yourself to get comfortable with. Failure and change and disruption, mm-hmm. because those are the qualities of somebody who's entrepreneurial. They mm-hmm. seek that, mm-hmm. um, and so if you're aspiring, it's not as simple as start a business or mm-hmm. take a class. Uh, that's how you, that's how you can learn what it means to be an entrepreneur, not not how how to be one. That's um, interesting. You have to you have to force yourself outside of a box. Mm-hmm. 
get out of the box, everybody. Uh, my last question, Paul, is for folks who are coming to South by Southwest first time this Friday. What would you tell him? What would you tell her? This this will be my sixteenth. Oh my I think. goodness! You know, except for the last couple of years. So so first, I'd say welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're so excited to get back to to getting together mm -hmm. and, and seeing people. Um, it was maybe 14 years ago, an angel investor back in California when I would come over mm -hmm. said this to me. He goes, your job, your job at South, South by Southwest is not to learn and it's not to have too much fun. Too much fun. It's to meet as many people as you possibly can. And I think it is to learn. He might have been wrong about that. However, the other side of what he said really stuck with me and, and, and has proven to be amongst the best advice I've ever gotten in life. That your job at South by Southwest, the, the, the one thing I, I can advise most is move. Move, 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 move. Talk to somebody for five or 10 minutes and move on. Uh, go, to, go to six different events one night, right? Events run for an hour or two or three hours. There's no reason for you to be there for two or three hours. Move, 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 because there are so many different things going on. By some counts, there are as many as 80,000 people in town. Uh, it, it, it is bigger than the Super Bowl uh, economically for the city of Austin. Mm -hmm. it, this is a massive, massive experience.